0: What's up, doll fans and welcome into the Friday July the 13th edition. Of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have just two topics to get to. First, we break down the wide receiver room. Who is going to get the most reps, the most targets, who starts, and how many will they keep on the final 53-man roster? And of course, it is Friday, which means the return of Futility Friday. But first, I kindly invite each each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review once you are there. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Previously voted the best follow on Dolphins Twitter amongst the peers there. And follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com. These training camp guide pieces are going to be up on LockedOnDolphins.com. So if you guys need a quicker access to find out information about these guys, their salaries, their standing on the team, their projected snap counts, all that stuff up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And of course, the other LockedOn Sports family of podcasts, like the LockedOn Heat podcast. And Locked On NFL Podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and get the show started. That's another Miami Dolphins. Before we get into the wide receivers real quick, there was, I guess, some NFL news, but it didn't involve the Miami Dolphins. A supplemental draft occurred on Wednesday, July the 11th, and the Dolphins did not strike the iron. The three defensive backs that were projected to go somewhere in the draft Miami did not bid on any of them and did not wind up with any of them. So we can move past that and get to talking about the wide receiver room and who will make it out of these 11 guys. Will they keep five or six this year? There is a really good glut in the middle that the Dolphins could choose from there. Let's go ahead and just start with the top. Kenny Stills is my number one receiver on the roster. And one of the biggest things I noticed about him looking up his contract numbers was how kind of outraged everybody was over the contract that he was going to get, or that he did get before the 2017 season, just an $8 million per year base, $3-2 total for four seasons. And this guy is quietly one of the NFL's most efficient receivers, particularly out of the slot. And that's a great number when you consider the fact that Jarvis Landry, who is not as productive as Kenny Stills in that slot, gets double that. So Kenny Stills is a great team leader. There's a great video up on the Miami Dolphins social media pages right now showing he and Danny Amendola kind of going through the rigors of practice and teaching some of the young guys, talking to some of the youth that comes to the practices in uh, other high school football teams around the around the area in Miami. And just the way Kenny Stills conducts himself, both on and off the field, you have to love what he does. And he's been so efficient in his career. And just a big-time deep threat, a very good target in general, and should have a better bounce-back year with Ryan Tannehill. I expect Kenny Stills to probably get the most reps of anybody on this roster at wide receiver. Up next is Devontae Parker, and I don't agree with his standing as the second guy in line. I actually listed them as first-line receivers and second-line receivers, as in... Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, and then I have Danny Amendola at third. And then you have Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson pitching in as the second line guys that kind of figure their way into certain packages. But I think ultimately Parker will have his snaps eaten into because I just don't trust the guy. He was the 14th overall draft pick back in 2015. He's only 25 years old. He's in year number four. He has the fifth year option exercise already for 2019, which obviously can be rescinded at any time. But the Dolphins have to make a decision on him here pretty soon because he has been injured every year of his career. He has had these nagging little things that stay with him throughout the course of the season. And we've heard all about his lack of work ethic and dedication to the craft. And that's a big deal because this guy is so smooth. He is such a glider and leaper and has the big play ability. Highlight reel catches. All, every single year, he makes a big-time highlight reel catch that reminds you of A.J. Green and gets you all excited about his potential. But right now, he's a cheap player. Only $2.5 million or so per year base. He did have $10 million guaranteed based on his draft status. But right now, he is a cheap player for the Dolphins and someone that he probably hope can become that X receiver, that boundary receiver. And if he... He excels on in-breaking routes like digs, square-ins, slants, that type of thing, but if he can really elevate the back-shoulder game and the hitch game, the comeback route and the deep route, the ones that work the sideline, the perimeter, and open things up in the middle, that would be such a boon for this offense, and he really needs to step up in that regard to retain that role, because I think if he doesn't, he steps back to guys like Wilson, Grant, and Amendola as well. And Speaking of Danny Amendola, he is up next. He has nine years in the business, a lot of those in the Erhardt. Erhart Perkins system, the Patriots run, similar to what the Dolphins do here with Adam Gase. He signed a two-year deal. It's basically a one-year deal with a one-year team option, $6 million each year. If they like what he does this year, they can bring him back next year for $6 million. If not, they can cut him and they're off scot-free. But he is just such a hard worker and studious player. He's going to be at his landmark every single time he runs a route. He catches almost everything. And the way he's able to engineer the Patriots offense with short yardage, third downs, that type of thing, he really is a big key cog to this offense, I think. And I think Brett Coleman really convinced me that he would be because they're going to have to replace Jarvis Landry. And Amandola is so solid in what he does that I think that he fits that role very seamlessly for the Dolphins going forward. So he is the number three guy, even though I believe the next two guys could probably offer more in the slot as far as explosiveness and big playability. Of course, talking about Albert Wilson next, four years with the Kansas City Chiefs where he was really buried on the depth chart behind some guys like Tyreek Hill. In terms of options in the passing game, Travis Kelsey as well. Chris Conley got into the mix there, Kareem Hunt. There's a lot of players in Kansas City that get the football, so Wilson was kind of second, third, fourth fiddle at times. But the Dolphins are buying on his potential overproduction. The contract's a little bit scary, $8 million per year for three years for him. That's Kenny Stills' money, so he has to really produce to earn that money. But he is elite with the football in his hands, a much higher broken tackle percentage than even Jarvis Landry, who is known for breaking tackles. And I think that once he gets the opportunity to actually play and contribute to a football team, he could really step up into that role and take on that role. And they're going to have a lot of specialty packages for him, whether it's a little shovel pass inside the screen game. All the stuff the Dolphins do on offense, the guys they brought in help them do those things. And Wilson is no exception to that rule. So he's the number four. Jakeem Grant is my number five. I don't know where he figures in. Like I said, the two through five is so volatile and could be shaken up at any moment's notice. And you could do it on a on a play-to-play basis, on a possession-to-possession basis. Whatever you want to do, you can change these guys up because Jakeem Grant has elite Traits, elite start and stop ability. He can leap out of the gym, even though he's five foot six. He has blazing four point one nine forty speed. He's a cheap player. He has two more years on his contract. He is developed in the system. He looks more comfortable in his press conferences as a route runner. More, the more you can do, the obviously the better you have a chance of impacting a football game. And jakeem Grant can do things from inside the slot, from outside. He can return. He can do so much for this football team. I really truly believe he's going to break out this year in a big way not like Tyreek Hill big but he's going to take steps in the direction towards Tyreek Hill the guy that I have been comparing him to throughout most of his career so far despite the early career muff punts that he had and struggled with back in 2016 but he has rebounded nicely in 2017 the big time efficiency numbers that rank up there with the league's best I have a piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com talking about Jakeem Grant you guys can find that and of course this piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now the wide receiver preview for training camp we have more guys to get to the back end of the roster. We'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Locked On Fins. So we went over the first five receivers that are locks to make the roster. And I'll go ahead and just say that right now. All five of those guys are going to be on the roster. So will the Dolphins keep a sixth? If they do, it's going to be between all of these guys we're going to list here below. Six of them, we'll get through them here real quick. First up is Leontay Carew and. As much as you want to complain about Carew, he really basically did get 7-2 offsuit dealt to him. Over talking about Texas Hold'em, no limit here. He got a really bad hand just because Adam Gaze was so adamant about running 11 personnel throughout the course of every single play, it seemed like, and it was always Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills. Where does he figure into the fold there? Where does he get onto the field? Well, he did it when Devontae Parker got hurt a couple of times, both in 2016 and 2017. There wasn't a lot of production there, but the 2016 game was week one against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. I don't expect a rookie third-round pick to come in and contribute big time in that role. He had, I think, one or two catches in that game. Comes back last year and was basically non-existent on the Dolphins roster. And the reason I think that he gets cut this year, I'm going to go ahead and spoil that for you guys right now. I think he gets cut because he suffered an injury in OTAs that will go into camp and that he just can't afford to do that. He has to have reps. He has to impress these these coaches from day one and he's not going to have a chance to do that. So I have him getting cut. Next up is Rashawn Scott, the guy that actually got elevated to the active roster towards the end of 2016 in favor of Leontay Carew and that was kind of the the beginning of the end for Carew in Miami, I think. But Rashawn Scott's a local guy. He impresses on special teams and that's going to be the key for all of these guys on this list and below is impressing Darren Rizzi enough to get onto the roster as the sixth receiver to cover kicks and punts, be a gunner, that type of thing. So if Scott wants to find his way onto the roster, stay in his hometown of Miami, he's going to have to do it via special teams. I don't think he can do it. I have him being cut. That brings up next Isaiah Ford, who has one year of service in the business. He got hurt last year. I'm going to put him on the practice squad this year just because losing your entire rookie season is rough as it is. As a seventh round draft pick or undrafted guy, and Ford was a seventh round draft pick, the former of the two, you have to you you really have to contribute in camp and preseason to have a chance, and I, I just don't think that coming back from an injury, he's not going to be a hundred percent off of an ACL for a receiver is a tough injury to deal with, and there's just so much ahead of him that he has to overcome. If he does it, great for him. I'm just not going to buy it. I have him getting cut and going to the practice squad. That brings up next here Drew Morgan who. He was the star of OTAs back in 2017, last year as a rookie. He ran around in his shorts and shells, and everybody thought he was good with a quick area or short area quickness and burst, and of course, the reliable hands. But that's about all he offers coming out of Arkansas. He again, a 2017 undrafted free agent, I think he winds up getting cut and not being placed to the practice squad. As the Dolphins go with Isaiah Ford and this next guy, Malcolm Lewis. Another local guy, 24 years old. He's quicker than he is fast. He's 5'10", 195 pounds. He can make some plays down the field. He can work out of the slot. I think that he gets another chance at the practice squad over Drew Morgan just for his raw ability and traits that he brings to the table. And that'll bring us to the last guy on the roster here. And for my money, the biggest long shot, Francis Owusu coming out of Stanford. He made one of the greatest catches you'll ever see in football, not just college football, but any level of football. But he got hurt as well last year. That seems to be the case for a lot of these receivers that were down towards the bottom end of the depth chart. A lot of these guys got hurt. And if Gaze wants to be able to rotate guys in throughout the system, if we get nicks and bruises here throughout the course of the season, they're going to have to keep a couple of guys in the practice squad that they can call up to the active roster. I just don't think it's going to be a Wusu, So I think he gets the short end of the stick here once again. So that leaves us with five guys on the active roster, making the NFL week one Miami Dolphins roster, of course, Kenny Stills. Devonte Parker, Danny Amendola, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, and then the other two that make the practice squad after being cut are Malcolm Lewis as well as Isaiah Ford, and then you have Drew Morgan, Francis Owusu, Leonte Carew, and Rashawn Scott all going to the unemployment line. So this group is going to be a mixed match of just trying to find matchups in the secondary, who is the open man, throw into that guy, and just finding a way to move the football that doesn't just force feed the ball to a guy like Jarvis Landry that's going to be the thing everyone talks about replacing Jarvis Landry how will they do it i think it's going to be a much better group next year just because they don't have to worry about force feeding a guy that really needs volume to produce at this level a lot of these guys the dolphins have now Jakeem Grant Kenny Stills hopefully Devonte Parker Albert Wilson. These guys can produce without a high volume of targets. So that's the idea here. Spread the wealth, move it around. Tannehill's comfortable in the system. They have a bunch of guys that can execute the system, guys that will take their homework home with them and get stuff done off the field and not just be a nine to five football player. So those are the receivers. Like I said, much improved this year. And we're going to do one more segment here on the podcast talking about Futility Friday as we explore the glorious. 2007 season and the quarterbacks that led us to that remarkable 1 in 15 mark on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Lockdown Fins. Moving into our final segment of the week here, and I have so many different angles I can attack this one from. It is the Futility Friday portion of the show, talking about the just absolute train wreck of quarterbacks the Dolphins have fielded between Dan Reno and Ryan Tannehill's tenure with the Dolphins and I have to probably start this with a bit of a disclaimer in that 2007 was the first year we got to see John Beck play from BYU, the second round draft pick. Ron Jaworski loved him, and I have to just kind of ask for some forgiveness on him because I was super high on John Beck back in 2007, buying into the Kool-Aid there, but he did not live up to expectations. Let's go ahead and go over this 2007 season now as we start with Trent Green, who of course was a guy that the Dolphins could have had back in their early 2000s. Probably would have changed the fortunes of those early 2000s team with an elite defense and the best running back in the NFL. In Ricky Williams. Probably could have taken Miami to some Super Bowls, if not the AFC title game. Nonetheless, we get him in 2007 when his brains have been scrambled. And of course, he made it five games in as we kick off Futility Friday talking about Trent Green's 2007 season. I'll recall that first game against the Washington Redskins where he played sharp enough to win. The Dolphins just didn't come out with the win. And we were thinking, okay, we have a real quarterback in house now. And then the next game, four interceptions against the Dallas Cowboys. Comes back with a pick against the Jets, two more picks against the Raiders in week four and then gets his brains knocked out after throwing just two passes in week five against the Houston Texans. He ends the season with a 72.6 quarterback rating, five touchdowns and seven interceptions. Enter Cleo Lemon, everybody's favorite dolphins quarterback. He comes in and plays nine games that season. And it was unremarkable, to say the least. He almost beat out Trent Green's 72.6 passer rating. He finishes the year with a 71 passer rating, 6 touchdowns, compared to 6 interceptions, completed just 55% of his passes. But, of course, he was famous for the pass to Greg Camarillo, that took the Dolphins out of infamy and put them securely in futility that season with the game-winning touchdown pass against the Ravens to get Miami to 1-15. I'll never forget the game against the New England Patriots. It was right after the Baltimore win. The Dolphins were down by, I want to say, 14 and driving into the red zone of the Patriots. It was a fourth down play. Lemon breaks the pocket, gets out to the sideline, and he has a chance to die for a first down. And he just quietly steps out of bounds and turns the football over. That was when I forever hated Cleo Lemon for that lack of desire to win and then good old Johnny Beck He came in, came out, came back in at the end of the season. And what's funny about John Beck's career is that he played 2007, didn't play again until 2011 with the Washington Redskins, and then he got onto the field for the Redskins that year. But his opening day, or his debut, I should say, he threw for just 109 yards on 20 pass attempts, less than 5 yards per pass, a 56.8 rating. He didn't throw a touchdown until the final game of the season, went 4 games without a touchdown, had a 3-interception game against the New York Jets, And of course, that famed Buffalo Bills game where he got yanked after having the ball slip out of his hand and fall right into the Bills defense's hands for a return fumble touchdown and a 21 0 first quarter schlubbing of the Buffalo Bills or of the Miami Dolphins via the Buffalo Bills. And that can wrap up our Futility Friday segment for this episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. It's been a fun week talking about actual football. We can get back into stuff like that. On the next week's episodes, we're going to go over the offensive line, tight ends, defensive line, linebackers. We're going to have Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network LLC coming up on Monday, July the 23rd. That'll be a fun episode. Working on getting Ian Wharton back in for an episode, as well as Antoine Staley. So we have plenty of stuff for you guys coming down the pipeline. But as for this podcast... That is going to do it for the show and for the week. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out all of the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. You can follow the show at LockdownFins and check out LockdownDolphins.com, the number one blog every single day in the Lockdown Network. You guys have a terrific weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday for another edition of Lockdown Dolphins Podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.